the ROI, the return on investment of God's talent that he has lent out to such a great man has been returned in full, maybe to be given out to others sometime here soon. Let's remember a great man, Rush Limbaugh, dead at 70. It's Adrian Slade. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives, one story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. I had an entire show lined up. A whole show was lined up, fallen into my lap. Clips from the Joe Biden town hall, the Alzheimer's ball, um, you know, things about like the teachers unions and teachers can't go back to school without being vaccinated because they're all going to die. While the rest of us have been living in the real world for the last year. But then I got the news of the death of Rush Limbaugh. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't spend time talking about him because obviously he's a huge influence on all of us. And uh, obviously I'm recording this on a Wednesday, even though it's probably not going to be produced and, and submitted later until the week. But just to give you a background, first off, I have a background in, in broadcasting. It's not where I got my degree. But I got in early, uh, back in the late 80s. Uh, my parents helped out with a small radio station, and I got thrown in. First day on the air, I was told, all right, turn on the mic. Here you go. And I had to spend the rest of the eight hours of that day uh, conducting a radio show, being on the radio. <laughs> it was pretty intimidating at first, but by the end of the day, it was just something that I... Uh, I truly enjoyed. And so I had a love for broadcasting and always have. Um, over the years, I kept returning to it, even though it wasn't something I was looking to do a career with. Um, you know, there was, uh, at least in the music side, I, I spent most of my time in the musical side of radio. And uh, with the changes over the years, especially in the 90s, uh, where they deregulated a lot of radio, which was good on one point, but was uh, bad on the other side as far as careers go and things of that nature. If you weren't in the management side, if you weren't in the programming side, if you were in the talent side, you were kind of squeezed out. Um, So there wasn't a lot of room, at least in music radio. And in talk radio, the guy who's been on the air, our local talk guy, since I was a kid, is still on the air. So you're not taking his gig. And that, that was the thing I liked about podcasting. Podcasting opened the door to where if you have a love for broadcasting, you could actually do it and you could be effective and also have a reach that you didn't normally have in the past because you didn't have a translator, you didn't have a transmitter, you didn't have a studio that you had to ha- maintain, you didn't have licensing and syndication and what have you You just, you know, if you've got the recording tools and you have the know-how and you've got the knowledge and you've got the internet, Hey, record and go. And what people don't realize, I know that there's some people I get trolls online. They're like, Oh, Oh, he's a podcaster. Who, who he must think he's special. And look, he, he's nobody. Um, first off, when I go play football with my friends over at the park, Or we go play, maybe we're going to hit some balls around. I'm not expecting the NFL or the MLB recruits to come up and go, hey, I'm going to make you a star. 
Yeah, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. If so, I would be promoting my personal information a lot more than I do. Um, I just have a love for broadcasting. I have a knowledge of studio production. And even though this isn't my career, this is just fun to do. Now, if I gain an audience that wants to listen to my bloviating and, and likes what I believe in, all the better. If I could have some sort of uh, impact on somebody, that's all well and good. That's why I would even do it. That's why I would even consider it. And so my ideological background comes from not just Rush Limbaugh, but my family. My family established the difference between ideologies and my worldview. We come from a Christian background, even though we didn't grow up in the church. You know, my parents' uh, uh, transformation happened, even though we did attend churches, the real transformation didn't happen until I was probably in my preteens, you know? Um, but my father, he started listening to Rush Limbaugh in 1989. Now, to give you a background into my parents and my family's stances on conservatism, my earliest memory was the landslide of Reagan against Jimmy Carter. And I remember being little, sitting on the couch with my parents. It was election night. And, you know, they look at me and they're like, well, who do you want to win? Just, you know, I mean, you're playing with your kids, you know? And I was like, Jimmy Carter, because he was the guy that was already there. And my dad was like, no, uh-uh, no, we want Reagan. And I didn't know any better. I mean, I was uh, probably five, six around that time. But then I remember the excitement that they had when the election was called. And I remember a couple of years later, understanding how important it was of an election because of how big of a landslide it was and such a sea change. And from that point on, my earliest memories of a president was always Ronald Reagan. I remembered the Cold War. I remembered the Just Say No uh, campaign for Nancy Reagan. I remembered the Iran-Contra affair. We even had a shirt, Ali for president, after he was busted for shredding the documents. You know, we... We followed politics pretty closely to a degree in my family. But when Rush Limbaugh came on the radio, my dad used to listen to him. And I would be in the car. So I'm, I'm essentially a Rush baby. And I remember when the phenomenon of Rush Limbaugh started to grow. I remember the Rush rooms, you know, the restaurants that you could smoke your cigar in. During your lunch break, you could go in. This specified room in a restaurant was designated for Rush Limbaugh supporters, people that loved listening to his show, and they could sit down, eat lunch, and listen to Rush because there was no podcasting. You couldn't stream it later. You couldn't download it. You had to listen between noon and three. And so over the years, I would find ways to listen to his show no matter what I was doing. And what's funny is, as my background goes, I was very into hardcore music, punk music, um, thrash metal, you know, all the stuff when I was growing up, which a lot of it, they couldn't stand Reagan. And I still was able to look past that going, they just don't understand what he's doing, but that's okay. That's just, you know, there, if you were into that style of music, it wasn't personal to you, even though nowadays it is because it, they make it personal. When back in those days, we looked at it like, well, yeah, they don't like Reagan, but really they just don't like the establishment. That's where the big A anarchy came from with a lot of the punk movement and a lot of the hardcore scenes, New York hardcore, 
of the early 80s. And over the years, play and music, I got heavily into the scene. You know, we had a lot of spillover from D.C. and New York come down here because we're so close. You know, it's about three and a half hours from D.C. So we would have those bands play down here and the scene was thriving down here, thriving in Richmond with your hose got cable. And uh, what was the other group? Uh, man, I can't remember off the top of my head. They were very uh, Hoogall. That's what it was. They, they were very discord, Fugazi, post-punk kind of scenes, Avail, what have you. Uh which Hugal's drummer ended up being with Lamb of God. So we had that scene going, and yet I would still find myself listening to Rush Limbaugh. I started listening to Neil Bortz, who came on before him, Ken Hamlin, the Black Avengers. So talk radio was something big in, in our family, and always was. Even started watching his TV shows when that was short-lived. I think I still have them on v- VHS. But one thing that he taught me was he taught me how to analyze BS, especially with the news media. He taught me how to read between the lines. He taught me how to look at at things the way they're presented and to scrutinize it from angles that I never thought about scrutinizing from before. He also taught me how to understand why I believe in what I believe in. Yeah, I'm a conservative. Everybody goes, oh, I'm a conservative. A lot of that came up during the Trump era where people were like, oh, I'm a conservative. You're like, you were a Democrat like six weeks ago, but you like Trump. How do you do you even understand what the word conservative means and i don't mean like the david french jonah goldberg's out there going i'm a conservative i'm a buckley conservative Uh, are you going to cpac this year (laughs) i'm not going to cpac those rubes now i'm talking did you understand the ideology for which you stand upon well rush limbaugh taught me that he taught me how to understand it he taught me how to think deeper about it he taught me how to look at how the left looks at our uh, our way of thinking. It's like what Steve Dace, who I like to listen to from time to time, he calls three-dimensional thinking. It's why do you believe in what you believe in? Why do they believe uh, what they believe in? And why do they believe what you believe in? Or why do they believe what they believe what you believe in? So you have to understand it from multiple angles. Rush taught that without even calling it that. You just instinctively learned it. If you listen to him long enough, you were able to see a news item and dissect it immediately in real time. To the point where my wife can't stand it. I News comes on and I just go, oh, yeah, look, they're thinking this, 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 this. And she's like, uh, yeah, can you stop yelling at the TV? I get it. You're right. But, um, can, you know, who's listening to you? Is the TV going to answer you? No, the TV isn't. But I had to put it out there because I need everyone around me to recognize, based off the talent that Rush instilled in me, why I was able to pick that apart. And why you should be skeptical of the feedback being given to you by the news. And so I did have a little bit of a falling out with Rush when the Trump uh, uh, presidency was beginning the campaign because I thought you want conservatism tries or wins every time it's tried. He always said conservatism wins every time it's tried. And I was like, uh, well, then why aren't you backing Ted Cruz? And you could tell in in his and without saying it, he kind of was like, yeah, I want to back Cruz, but my listeners are all back in Trump. Um, I started listening to him a few years ago back again because, you know, you never really I mean, I, I held nothing against him. I was just kind of like, you know, felt like I was kind of slightly betrayed by that. But then I ended up listening to him 
and he got back more into the meat and potatoes of why I believe in what I believe in. And I was going, this guy always delivers it correctly. Um, and hearing his diagnosis of lung cancer made me go, you know what? I don't know how much time we're going to have with this brilliant giant in our lives. To the point where this past Monday, I posted a, a little post, but it was very touching to me about how somebody who could be someone with a background that I have in alternative metal and punk and hardcore would be somebody that could listen to Rush Limbaugh since he was 15. That is impactful um, because it's not like he was on a touch the youth mission, you know, but he did instill a lot of things in my ideology that I wouldn't think the way I do had it not been for how he was able to lay it all out. And though I almost got through, talked to Bo Snurdly a couple times on the phone, never got to talk to him personally. Um, I've had discussions with his brother, David Limbaugh, who's great too. Um, we're going to miss you, Rush. Um, you were a powerhouse. I don't think people realize the impact that you have amongst uh, talk and how I think there are some people out there that will step up and carry the load, but it's going to take a collection of, of a crap ton of us to even carry it in one shoe of what you have to step into. So Rush Limbaugh dead, passed away age 70. God bless you. God bless your family. And, uh, you know, we will carry on the fight that you blaze the trail for. This is Adrian Slade. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but in the grand tradition of conservatives passing away and those who love Trump's hate, you know, those people that are virtuous and dignity and, and they have decency and they want to show unity with the tradition of them dunking on the likes of what Sheldon Adelson, who is the conservative donor from the uh, gambling uh, casino mogul that he was. He had, you know, David Koch from the Koch brothers and Herman Cain, who they said died of the Verona when he went to a Trump rally and, and Roger Ailes and any of the other conservative thought leaders or conservative influencers, you knew they were going to dunk on the death of Rush Limbaugh. And of course they did. They, Satan was, ha uh, was, you know, was trending as though, you know, they believe that Trump uh, or Trump loyalist Rush Limbaugh is burning in a lake of fire, the same lake of fire that they'll be backstroking in because they don't believe it exists, even though that's where they think he's at. But these individuals were dunking all over him, rest in piss, all this nasty, vile crap. But we expect that from the left. And I don't want to spend any time on it and give that any sort of illumination because that's just the hate filled people that they are. You know, of course, you've got things like the New York Times, Mao Zedong, you know, Chairman Mao from China, died on this day in 1976. The Times said he began as an obscure peasant and, quote, died one of history's great revolutionary figures, father of the Chinese Revolution. Of course, you know, this is the same type of outlet that said that uh, was it Al Zakari was some austere uh, uh, cler clerical leader when he was a terrorist. Yeah, they said Rush Limbaugh, who built right-wing talk radio into a machine, dies. Mr. Limbaugh, 70, who helped transform the GOP, pushed talk radio into the right with misogynistic and racist language and conspiracy theories. That's how they operate. 
But what really gets me is when we have these so-called conservative thought leaders on the right, like this idiot Charlie Sykes, dunking on him on MSNBC. The guy blazed the trail for this little D-bag, and this is what you get. For state Rush Limbaugh's uh, role in basically building up the entertainment wing of the GOP to be absolutely dominant. So, I mean, it's a little bit painful, you know, talking about it on the day that he dies, but I've been working on a piece for in his newspaper, in which I argue that right now we are all living in the world that Rush Limbaugh made in his own image. When you think about what he did uh, and the influence he had, he was an entertainer. He was not a deep thinker. He was not a thought leader, but he shaped so much of the way the right wing transformed itself uh, over the last few years. Um, he popularized what, what uh, you know, he popularized conservative ideas, but he also plays a very central role in the derangement of it. So his legacy is a conservative movement that is, in fact, more dishonest, more open to dishonesty, uh, crueler, dumber than it was before. And you can't understand Donald Trump without understanding that Rush Limbaugh was in many ways not, 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 not just the, the guy that, that, that laid the, the groundwork for him, but was in many ways a role model in the way that you could twist truth, the way that you could use insults and ad hominem attacks instead of actually dealing with ideas. Because, you know, the bottom line, dirty secret about Rush Limbaugh is he was utterly uninterested in ideas. He was much more he was much more interested in the kind of smash mouth own the liberals politics that Donald Trump was so good at. And he was also really one of the pioneers in convincing conservatives to look the other way about wise and conspiracy theories. So it is a dark legacy. And I have to say that one of the real tragedies here, because it's a human tragedy, is that even when he was confronted with his own mortality, he saved the worst for the last. Some of the things that he did in the last six months of his life were among the most indefensible things he ever did. And right now, you look around us, and everything can be traced back to Rush Limbaugh and his influence. Yeah, he comes from the same school as those bulwark douchebags, those uh, with the Jonah Goldbergs and and the, the David Frenches. You know, they they are just all about, you know, David French is all about uh, freedom for drag time, story time, with, you know, RuPaul's drag race at the at the local public library that your five year old kid is going to sit down and get torqued in front of. While they read Green Eggs and Ham, you know, these are the complete douche canoes like Charlie Sykes. You know, Charlie Sykes is dunking on a guy who blazed the trail for Charlie's lackluster attempt at conservative radio. He should go back to banging mistresses behind his wife's back because you know what? Screw you, Charlie. I mean, you and your brand of bulwark BS conservatism can go pound sand. I mean, they would rather circle jerk each other, you know, over white papers and felch each other over the Chevron deference than actually trying to win hearts and minds, maybe win elections, maybe win some power, and then implement actual conservative principles. Because you sit there and go, well, you know, uh, Rush was all about ad hominem and beating people over the head. And, and then it's that Trumpism. Well, guess what? Trump actually put in conservative principles more than Mitt Romney ever did, more than George W. Bush ever did, more than any of your electable people you know, the people that are going to run Nikki Haley because she's got electability, which it's really odd that they're going to say that because these are the people that cannot win elections. So that's like saying, yeah, you got the talent, babe, but then you've never had a number one hit recording artist, right? 
You, you never had a number one hit movie, but you know the formula and you know how it's going to happen. So you know you've got electability. You've got charisma, even though you've never seen charisma. You don't even know how to spell it. So that's the problem. These are the people that are thinking, oh, GOP, GOP consultants are the ones who we need to get behind because they know the field. They know how to make things happen, even though Trump required zero <laughs> consultants. And that's where they're projecting their energy. And so they're going to dunk on somebody like Rush, who just called it like he saw it. And, uh, you know, Charlie Sykes never had that kind of success. So he's still a little butthurt over that. And he actually just blocked me on Twitter after I called him out uh, over all of this. But um, that's, you know, don't sit there and dunk on a guy who blazed your trail especially when you can't get out of your own backyard into a national syndication uh, situation and you're just going to pound on him like you're the conservative stalwart, you're the thought leader, the Buckley guy, um, where Buckley's uh, great-grandnephew, I think, was out there storming the Capitol with, with the rest of the uh, Trump supporters who didn't actually storm the Capitol. That was the you know, climate change shaman and uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, was a Sullivan kid. Um, but anyways, yeah, that wing of the Republican Party needs to die, not 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 the legacy of somebody who is great like Limbaugh. So all that being said, I want to uh, leave you with this. Uh, like I said, I was going to do a full podcast. I'm going to work on one for the weekend, but I did want to cover the death of uh, such a tremendous inspiration to all of us. Um, Tyler at RelentlessDaring.com. He's at da uh, Daring Podcast. Um, hopefully, we're going to be on each other's show. I, I'm going to try to have him on, and I'm tempted to. We've been talking about it, going on his uh, podcast. But he put all the people hoping that Rush Limbaugh rots in hell need to realize that if we all had the justice that man decided was fit, there would be no path to redemption. If we held everyone to our idea of judgment, would we be declared worthy of anything better than hell ourselves? To which I replied, knowing how much he believed in Jesus Christ, I'm pretty confident the leftists will be disappointed to learn that he's not going to be rotting in hell. The hell that they wish doesn't, or they wish to believe doesn't exist, but somehow does for Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> he's going to be living in the hereafter. He's already there. And it's like I told his brother, David Limbaugh, we're praying for you and your family. Rush is in the throne room of the Almighty today. One thing we know for certain, and that gives me tremendous joy. And I hope it does to you guys as well, because soon all of us will be in the throne room with Rush, with Doc Thompson, with Jay Severin, with all those like Tony Snow, Kit Carson, and all those that passed before us. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, Overcast, iHeart, Spotify. You can also check out the blog AdrianSladeShow.com and get the free Roku channel in your Roku streaming store. Adrian Slade Show in the Roku streaming store channel section. I will see you guys next time. God bless. Godspeed. Mr. Limbaugh.